And we'll seeking the help of God, let's turn back to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11. And let me read uh, verse 10. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. Where I stay over in Easteros, there are many iconic spots that you can go and visit. Just as we all know, there is here uh, in Lewis. Places uh, that we often uh, go and where tourists will travel a great distance to come and see as well. So over where we are, we have a beach called Shandwick. And here there's Shobost Beach or venture a bit further down south to Luskintyre. We have a hill called Tain Hill and you have... Ben Bragger or the equivalent, but perhaps you know of one or two hidden gems, special places that not many others do where tourists wouldn't know about. Maybe hidden beaches or caves or viewing points, the paths to these locations, they're not often trodden But they're always worth the journey. And Hosea chapter 11 that we've read this evening is, I think, like discovering one of those hidden gems within Scripture. It takes us directly to the heart of God and it shows us his love. The popular and where you should definitely also go and see and read if you haven't done at all or even recently. 1 John 4, God is love. John 3, 16, for God, and hear this this evening, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever of you would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. But Hosea chapter 11 shows us as well the never-failing, never-ending love of God. And so I want us uh, this evening to do two simple things to explore God's fatherly or paternal love and his eternal love. So paternal, meaning as the father. So his paternal love and his eternal love. That it goes on and on and on. So first of all, his paternal love. With your Bibles open, have a look with me at verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt... I called my son. The metaphor, the illustration, the picture that Hosea gives us has changed. I was explaining before we read the chapter. At the beginning of the book, we had the picture of the marriage relationship. And then between Hosea and Gomer, and then that relationship being illustrated by the Lord and Israel. While the Lord was a committed and faithful husband, 
Israel, the people of God, they were constantly unfaithful and they committed spiritual adultery. And by that I mean they just went off to all these distractions the world can offer and they bowed down to them. But now, now the illustration, now the metaphor has changed. The relationship has now been described not like husband and wife between God and his people, but like father and son. God is reminding Israel about his love for them from the very beginning. The first time Israel is described as God's children, it comes all the way back in the second book of the Bible in Exodus chapter 4. And it was a dark period of history for the nation. Life was not good. They were all the way back in Egypt. They were in captive. They were being held captive. They were enforced into slave labor. And yet it was into this darkness that God shone his light on them. God sent Moses into Pharaoh who was the taskmaster, the slave driver. God sent Moses into Pharaoh on his behalf who said, let my son go that he may worship me. Let my people go that they may worship me, their father. Israel, God's people, was eventually released from their slavery and they were granted freedom. But God doesn't just set them free from their bondage and their captivity. But what we see is that he brings them into a relationship with himself. He is their father, and they are his children. We can, we have that too. Don't we say, don't the children, aren't you saying that in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven. We can only truly say that because of what Jesus has done for us. You may be familiar with, I'm sure you are, Christianity Explored and there's another branch of it called Discipleship Explored. We recently did the course called Discipleship Explored in, over in Tain and Fern. And in one of the videos, the speaker, Barry Cooper, he says these words, that religion is spelt like this. D-O. But Christianity is spelt like this. D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus has done it all. The church family that sat at the Lord's table this morning, they did so and they could come not because they wore their suit, not because they dressed up for the occasion, not because they've been good enough in the community for the last year or five or fifty, but because Jesus 
went to the cross and took away their sin. And they believe that Jesus paid the price for even their sin. All of it. See these people that sat here? They are sinners. And they know they are. But Jesus has taken away their sin. Religion is spelled D-O. It's all about what I must do to be good enough. And let me tell you, attending enough services, coming here once a week, being good in the community, they may be good things to do, but they're not going to save you. They're not touching at all the sin that clings onto your heart. But Christianity is spelt D-O-N-E because Jesus has done it all. In the Gospel of Matthew, second chapter, when Jesus is still a young child, it quotes this verse, Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. At the outset of, his gos- of this Gospel, it says, Out of Egypt I called my son. Because it's fulfilling what actually happened. That Jesus, the Son of God, does come out of Egypt. He is, he had, the family had to go into Egypt. And then God tells them to come out of Egypt. And he has brought us Christians. Believers in Jesus. Those who have their eyes fixed on Christ alone. He has brought us out of our slavery to our sin and into our relationship with God the Father. For the Israelites, for God's people, there was no freedom from their slavery to the Egyptians until the blood of the Lamb was shed. And for us, there is no freedom from our slavery to sin until the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, was shed on the cross at Calvary. And so the question is to all of us this evening, is he your father? Did Jesus die for your sins? If your parents now grandparents and then you know the lengths that you would go to uh, protect and care for your children or grandchildren and verses 3 to 4 they display the tender love of the Lord towards his children just look at the words that are used to describe his fatherly care it was he first of all we see who taught them to walk our little girl uh, Isla is so close to walking and so we're all going round holding on to her hands as she plods around uh, the room. The Lord remembers helping Israel take these steps out of their captivity. You know how he did it through the Red Sea as they walked through in safety and the enemy was destroyed afterwards. But also we see the Father's care it was he who healed them parents who uh, give their children certain medicines or even have to take them for their jags uh, they need to get. Your children may grudge you doing that to them, taking them to the doctor's office at the time, but 
you know it for their ultimate good. And it was the Lord, we see, uh, who fed them. In verse 4, the end of verse 4, it was the Lord who fed them. And when your kids are young, they can't feed themselves. Uh, you need to do it for them. Remember that in the wilderness, for the Israelites, it was God who fed them with the manna and the quail, miraculously being provided in the barren wilderness. Repeatedly, the Father, the Lord, has fulfilled his fatherly function out of love for his children. The Lord has shown such tender love towards Israel. And then what seems heartbreaking to us, God has said, uh, come back up with me to verse 2. God says in verse 2, The more I called Israel, the more they went away. The more God called, the further they went into the world. Hosea is a prophet. This was his job to call the people of God back to repentance, back to God. But many have gone before him. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, they were all calling Israel back. But the more they were called, the further they went. Instead of running back to the Lord, Israel was running back to their other idols and gods, to all that this world was offering them. I have a memory of my grandmother who had a cat at this point in my childhood called Trixie. And most of the time, I'm sure she was a lovely cat, she would uh, sit up beside you, she would go off to sleep. But then all of a sudden, I'm scarred mentally and physically, I think, because she would turn and just scratch you with her claws. And so while... I didn't love her that much, my grand did. But I have a memory in my mind of my grand standing at the door of her house and repeatedly calling the name of her cat to come back inside. And she would be happy when Trixie would bounce back into the house. But often she wouldn't come back. Even though it was my grand who cared for her, and fed her, and protected her, Trixie would often see how long she could last without her. God is standing at the door this evening, and he's calling your name. Where are you tonight? Are you running back to him? Or are you wandering from him? Are you seeing how long you can last without him? He's calling you to come back. How deep the Father's love for you as he calls you. Well, this is his fatherly love, his paternal love. Now, let's see secondly then his eternal love. Eternal love. When the parent has to administer some tough love, we haven't had to do this too much to our 11-month-old yet, but it's not a very nice thing to do, I'm sure. 
to the for the child to receive, but also for the parent to give out. But there must be consequences for a child's misbehaviour, and there is consequences for the sin you commit. In verses uh, 5 to 7, it's made very clear that Israel is about to receive their punishment because they are sinners. But not just because of that. Not just because of, the, uh, because of the fact that they are sinners. Remember, God began the relationship with them. He made them his children, not because they were sinless, not because they'd scrubbed themselves up well and were good and the best in the land, No, God had come into relationship with them. He knew who they were. He knew that sin was running through their veins and that they would be disobedient. The punishment that was about to be administered to them is because they remain unrepentant. Because they will not return from their sins. Verse 5 begins and ends with the same words. They shall not. They shall not return. They refuse to return. For that disobedience, God would ensure that his own children, his own people, would be punished. And the same is true for us. God knows that you're a sinner. That's not breaking news. But are you refusing to repent? And to turn back to the Lord. And to the path that he originally set you on. Are you going deeper and deeper into the dirt of your sin? Israel have persistently rebelled. And persistently remained unrepentant. And for that God would ensure punishment would be administered. They would soon be shipped off into exile. It would be the Assyrians who would bring about his judgment and discipline. Israel's cities will be destroyed. Lives will be lost. They will be taken captive once more. You know, even as we watch the news and have done for the last year, our hearts break, don't they, as we see what happens and is happening in Ukraine. Towns and cities being taken over, people being scattered, lives are being lost. We've had a glimpse of the chaos, the turmoil, the devastation. And Ukraine don't deserve what is happening to them, but Israel did. They had turned away from the Lord and were now facing the consequences. Is there any way back for God's children? Would they ever be a nation again? Would God continue to love them? The prodigal son went off into the world, going it alone, doing it his way, and it wasn't long after he started and he found himself sitting with the pigs that he realised all that the Father had done for him. And so when he thought about turning and returning to his father's house, he wondered how would the Father treat him when he came back. 
And how did the Father greet him? He greeted him not by a frowning face, but with his loving arms. Our Heavenly Father's love is so deep that you will never find the bottom of it. We're going to sing later at the end that has these words in it. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? You think about the record of your sins. Let me tell you, it's longer than you think it is. None of us could stand. And yet the song, the psalm continues. But with the Lord there is forgiveness. In verses 5 to 7 we saw that God's anger burns hot consistently for the sin that his people have committed. But then you come into verses 8 and 9 and we see how serious God is about love. His love is not changeable. His love will go on. You see, with God there is no length of time until Israel or we exhaust his compassion. There is no number of sins we commit when God pulls the plug on all of his promises. Even in anger, God shows his tender pity. The rebellious people deserved only to be consumed by his wrath. We only deserve to be consumed by his wrath. But even now, after so many warnings and acts of discipline, God would restrain his wrath for the sake of his mercy and his love. Just listen to his love. If you think about what's happened in 5 to 7 as his anger burns hot against sin and then you come into verse 8 how can I give you up O Ephraim Israel how can I hand you over my heart is changed within me my compassion grows warm and tender God is using human language in terms that his people and we can understand so that we might see our sinfulness and the awful judgment it deserves to understand the scale and the miracle of God's mercy. These words bring us right into the heart of God. God's justice demands that Israel, his children, be punished. But God's mercy ensures that they'll be saved. And don't be fooled, sin must be punished. The sin that is in your heart will be dealt with. God can't just ignore it. He can't just sweep it under the carpet, no matter how much he loves us. Judgment will come. Your sin, my sin, all of our sin will be dealt with. The question is, who will pay the price for it? We, like Israel, are sinners. We are guilty before God. Either we will pay the price for our sin. Or, by the grace of God, a way 
has been provided. And that way is through Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ. Through what he has accomplished at the cross. God turned his anger away from us and directed it all to his own son, Jesus. A man named Thomas Brooks said, O Christ, I am your sin, but you are my righteousness. I am your curse, but you are my blessing. I am your death, but you are my life. I am the wrath of God to you, but you are the love of God to me. I am your hell, but you are my heaven. Justice and mercy meet at the cross through Christ. Jesus was the obedient son that Israel never was and we never could be. Yet he willingly died in our place so that we could become children of God. If you believe in him. If your eyes are fixed upon him. And look at verse 10. They, will f- they shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come. When a lion roars in the jungle, all animals run away, don't they? Apart from her own cubs. The roar is a warning of danger to her prey, but the roar is a welcome home to her own. When the Lord roars, his children will come. God not only forgives our sin, but he brings us into a relationship with him. This was partially fulfilled when the tribes returned out of their exile and slavery again in Assyria. It is partly fulfilled through the spread of the gospel in the New Testament church. It is now being fulfilled around the world as men and women, boys and girls are being saved as they hear the roar of the Lord. And as we proclaim the gospel again in Shobost, the Lion of Judah is roaring. And who is coming towards him? God's love to his own is timeless and limitless. There is no number of sins that bar you this evening from receiving it. No amount of time that has passed that stops you from experiencing it. God's love is timeless, but there is a time limit for you to accept it. Time is running out. Tonight you have the opportunity. I don't know if you have tomorrow. God's love is timeless. But there is a time limit for you to accept it. As you hear the gospel invitation 
again this evening. Will you hear the roar of the Lord? You will either, all of you, will either run away from God again. Or you will be running towards him. As you hear the roar of the Lord. Which way are you going? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven. We thank you for uh, your word. And we just pray this evening for each and every one who is gathered in this room, who is listening in in their homes. And we pray that as the roar of the gospel is heard in this village this evening, that, Lord, you may be pleased to save, to bring souls out of the darkness of their sin and into the light of the gospel. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.